Thank you all for being here. Again, I'm Christian Adams. I'm the president of the Public Interest Legal Foundation. Uh, we're the nation's only nonprofit law firm that we, all we do is election integrity. And as Hans mentioned, we, uh, Hans and I are both at the voting section at the United States Department of Justice a long time ago together. Uh, and it really, I think, gave us a glimpse into uh, what the left was up to in this space. Uh, things that we saw happening in 2005 uh, are now happening in 2020, 2021, regarding the elections. And I think it boils down to this. A lot of people at this conference care deeply and correctly about policy. You care about where the country is going, the culture, uh, taxes perhaps, energy, whatever your policy issue might be, it's very important. But for the last 20 years, starting in about 2005 when, when Scott mentioned it, the left has been concerned about not policy, but process. And process is the key to achieving the policies that they want. And I saw this firsthand at the voting section when we would, we would have cases like Georgia voter ID or uh, cases I brought in Mississippi regarding absentee ballot fraud where the left was deeply concerned about stopping voter ID and stopping these sorts of lawsuits that we had against absentee ballot fraud. It was kind of a perverse priority. Um, what I'm gonna talk about is sort of a tour around the country of litigation. My, my topic in this uh, panel is the litigation fights. And I think 10 years ago, these cases were happening, but they were sort of under the radar. The lawsuits about Texas voter ID, for example. Uh, the litigation involving Georgia citizenship verification in 2007. Yes, actually, there, there's opposing views about whether election officials should validate citizenship. These fights were taking place for a very long time, but the situation has dramatically ramped up. So what I'm gonna do is sort of <clears throat> try to give you the lay of the land of the good, the bad, and the really, really ugly as it relates to election litigation. So the one thing I wanna leave the most important impression with everybody is how tremendously outgunned, tremendously outgunned the conservatives, the right is in the area of election litigation. Now, some of that is of our own making, and some of that deserves some uh, self-reflection because we spent a great deal of time in 2020, uh, some did, litigating incredibly meritless cases where a lot of treasure and time and credibility were burned up and incinerated in cases that universally lost. And I think that's one of the great concerns we have to do a lot of self-reflection on is, is uh, bringing meritorious as opposed to weak cases. So first of all, let's go back to 2020 in our time machine to start this tour around the country. And at the time, COVID, COVID was changing the entire discussion about elections. If you remember in March of April of 2020, the laws were all being suspended in many states. Virginia, for example, there was a case in Virginia, Western District of Virginia, where the League of Women Voters, which in case anybody thinks they're nonpartisan, they are not nonpartisan. The League of Women Voters sued to invalidate a number of Virginia election process rules in the wake of COVID, namely a witness signature requirement on an absentee ballot, arguing 
that is an undue burden under the 14th Amendment to have to go get a witness signature requirement, a witness signature to cast your absentee ballot. Because after all, you couldn't get within a few feet of each other. So therefore, you couldn't get a witness signature for your ballot. Now, you might laugh, but I will tell you that wasn't even a close call case. And the plaintiffs won that case in part because the Virginia Attorney General raised the white flag. Our organization, the Public Interest Legal Foundation, intervened as defendants in that case to try to defend the Virginia law that required an absentee ballot uh, signature by a witness. And I will never forget a particular hearing in front of Judge Norman K. Moon, who was the federal judge, when Judge Norman K. Moon asked the question to Virginia, the defendants, do you even plan on filing a responsive opposition pleading in this case? And the Virginia Attorney General lawyer didn't have an answer. They weren't sure. That's how bad it got as far as certain politically and ideologically motivated AGs raising the white flag and not defending state laws. In that case, it wasn't a close call. The witness signature requirement was thrown out. And therefore, they conducted an election in 2020 in Virginia without one of the bedrock principles of Virginia state law. So that's some of the bad. Some of the good in Virginia, let's stay there. The Virginia State Board of Elections sent directives to all the counties to just ignore the law as it relates to ballots coming in after the election, late, with no postmarks. Yes, Virginia has a law, ballots must come in with postmarks if they're gonna be late. And otherwise they have to come in before the election. So the Virginia State Board of Elections, the people who ostensibly are enforcing the law, issued guidance to all the counties to ignore the law. Right? That's lawlessness. So our organization sued Virginia, representing an election official in the Shenandoah Valley, and we got a judge to enjoin the Commonwealth of Virginia from violating the law, and therefore they had to follow the law. So that's a bit of the good. But it's much bigger than, than my 15 minutes give, gives us time to talk about, but let's keep rolling around the country. We had cases, for example, in Nevada, where Nevada went to an all-male election, all-male, without any state statutory authority. They just decided they were going to dispense with the laws and mail ballots to every registered voter. Now, if you want to have some fun, Google my name, Christian Adams, Public Interest Legal, Nevada Ballots Abandoned Minds, and you'll see a really cool video where we go to all of these places where people are registered to vote, and they're mailing ballots to these abandoned mines, uh, head shops, casinos, gas stations, uh, pet groomers, strange, I didn't expect that one, uh, and, and these ballots are piling up in these places. So that's a bit more of the ugly. Pennsylvania had a prohibition on a number of things relating to uh, drop boxes, who can vote absentee, uh, when does the absentee ballot occur, when can you vote it, once again, courts throwing that out entirely. Um, so that's a bit more of the bad. Let me try to focus on some good for a bit. Michigan. Michigan has a problem with the dead people on the rolls. Our organization has a database of all of the voter rolls in the country, and we compare it to credit data, uh, Social Security death index, obituaries, and so forth. We found 25,000 dead people on the active voter rolls in Michigan, including gravestones, uh, obituaries, these are all in our complaint we filed in federal court. And two weeks ago, a judge in Michigan denied Jocelyn Benson's request to have the case thrown out 
on a variety of substantive issues. Um, when I indicated that the left cares about process, I really don't overstate that, and I want to give you some more crazy examples. In Maryland, they have allowed children to vote for school board. In other words, from sixth grade to 12th grade, you can vote for a child member of the school board who gets to vote on school board policy. It's not just someone who sits there. And so we're suing Howard County, Maryland on behalf of uh, two parents, one who goes to Catholic school, because the Catholic kids, of course, cannot vote for this government office, even though the Catholic schools get buses and so forth from the county, and as well as a child who's in the government schools um, and a parent who, 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 who is in Maryland. So think about this for a second and ask yourself the question, why? But in Maryland, they're allowing children to vote for a school board policy. Uh, and in some instances, these children are voting to, for example, keep schools closed, true story, not reopen after COVID. Shock, right? Why is this happening? It's because they're trying to normalize things like child voting, to normalize it for the rest of the country. And in fact, a bill was introduced in Congress, H.R. 1, which many on the stage deserve credit for stopping, to lower the voting age to 17. So when you allow sixth graders to vote, 17 doesn't seem so bad, does it? So the other thing they're doing is trying to normalize alien voting. And a bunch of Maryland jurisdictions, once again Maryland, had already been allowing this in local elections, but New York City last year voted to allow aliens to vote in city elections. And it would mean a million more people would be voting in New York City elections. Uh, we represent four black, they insist on being called black Canada, uh, plaintiffs, including Droy Murdoch of Fox News, and two progressives and, a, and another Republican to stop New York's alien city voting uh, in federal court under the 15th Amendment. But it's everywhere, folks. I don't have time to go through all the litigation. Florida got sued over their election integrity litigation or, or legislation last session. And one of the characteristics of these lawsuits is they always go to the f one judge, right? And in Florida, it's always Judge Walker up in Tallahassee because he's a favorable left-wing appointee who will always close down uh, whatever election integrity laws are passed. But folks, in states across the country, the battle space is the courtroom. And the left has an enormous amount of money. They outspend the right probably 300 to 1 in this. And I'm maybe conservative. It's probably more like 500 to 1. Uh, ACLU, League of Women Voters. Kansas case is happening right now. As a matter of fact, there's a deposition today in the case against the Voter Participation Center. And in Kansas, they banned pre-population of absentee ballot request forms. In other words, you get an absentee ballot request form mailed to you, and lo and behold, it's already filled out, right? And people were getting them for their dead husbands. They were even getting them for their pets. Now, I don't know who has such bad data that they're sending this to people for their pets, but they were. And so Kansas banned pre-population of absentee ballot request forms. Well, guess what happens next? They're being sued by all of these organizations saying that they should be allowed to pre-populate in Kansas. And this case is taking place right now. What I want to leave you with is to try to emphasize the essential role of litigation to transform how our elections are run. Whether it was Texas, Florida, Alabama, New York, New Mexico, Nevada, 
uh, Michigan in particular, Wisconsin, all of these key places have had their election laws changed by court rulings. Not by the people's representatives, not by uh, an election board guidance or regulation, but by federal and state court judges. And let me just leave by, by flashing this issue. This, this issue is going to be before the Supreme Court next term. And it's in a case out of North Carolina called Moore, and it's whether or not state legislatures should be the primary and virtually only body that gets to set election laws. But for now, it's in the courts, and it's a battle taking place uh, almost every single day. So thank you very much.